some bad news. I knew it. I love when he does that. WWE Women's Champions Strish Stratus and uh, Ashley. Strish. Did you say Strish Stratus? God damn it! I'm going to say it all night now. <laughs> Why aren't you always in this good a mood? I'm always in a great mood. You're firing me up, Conrad. You're firing me up. Strish Stratus. David Alvarez. David. If I'm honest with you, listen, we've got uh, we got a new fella helping me uh, do some research and stuff. And Fuck him. I don't like him either. He's, he's using Alvarez, and I tell everybody don't use Alvarez because I know you're going to get hot. I mean, you're more agreeable about Wade Keller than anybody. Okay. You don't love him, but you, you don't you don't hate him quite like you do the rest. I don't dislike Wade. In order, do you hate Brian Alvarez more than Dave Meltzer? Or do you hate Dave Meltzer more? They battle it out. I, I, can't, <laughs> I, I, can't, I don't think I can conjure up more distaste for either of them. Well, you should like Dave more. No, I, I shouldn't. Yeah, man. Come on. Actually, no, I really shouldn't. Well, I'll keep working on it. No, no, it doesn't matter. I, you know what? And the more you work at, the more you work at, the more I will show you facts, figures, and everything else to back up uh, the inaccuracies and just outright bullshit that is presented by that person. Bro, you ain't got to get hot about it. Let's no, talk. I am hot about it. You've taken me to three quarters hot, man. I went from zero hot to three quarters hot. It's just like that. Wait, you're three quarters hot right now? Right now. <sighs> Your boy, Brian Alvarez, who always writes glowing things and is super positive in everything he's ever written, writes that Ashley Mazzaro is, quote, by far the worst worker on the North American continent and quite possibly in the entire world. So I'm not sure that he like, yeah, anyway. Next up, we see the skit of Flair backstage. And he speaks of this from what expertise? Oh, no. What what expertise does he possess? Oh, no. That he can speak of this? He's a wrestler, you know? No, I, I didn't. No, he, yeah, he's a wrestler. Or, I mean, I guess he's retired now. So he, he's worked here? He's worked in WWE? No. WCW? No. ECW? Nope. How about Raw? ROH? <laughs> Around the around the office, do you often say, "How did he doing?" Raw. I, I really. <laughs> well, why do you fucking say it? Uh, ROH, just like I say WWE and WCW. I don't start pronouncing the shit. But no, listen. Here's the deal. Here's what you don't know about Brian. He was a Pacific Northwest Pro Wrestling Television Champion one time. Did On you not know TV? that? What TV did he be? Um, okay. Well, I don't know, but he, he did it so well that he did the ICW Texarkana television championship as well. You know, you, fuck you, Conrad. There. I'm just trying to tell you about all his accolades, Bubba. Both of them. I mean, he even wrestled for black label pro in 2018. And I think we were there in 2018 or 2019. He wasn't there that day. 
Yeah. Black label pro, you know, friend of the show, Mikey, we did that show in crown point, Indiana. You remember. Okay. He was there. That's where we met orange Cassidy for the first time. You and swoggle flipped through the national Enquirer in the backstage. It's like a whole thing. You were there. I have pictures. Okay. I'm just saying he beat your old friend, Marco and he Stone. Was there. No, not that day. I'm just saying you asked, where did he wrestle? I'm just telling you, he's wrestled a lot of independent shows that you would be familiar with. I'm not familiar with that one. And apparently I was there. (laughs) I mean, I, I, you know, what the fuck you want from me? I I don't know. I'd like to, I, I was probably talking to swizzle. No, you were, he was, he was joking about how now that you were back in the big office. You were going to delete his phone number or block him or both. So.
Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 225 of the Hoots Podcast. Hope you guys are having a wonderful week so far. It is yours truly, the nefarious brother Adam, a.k.a. Joshy Lopez. Hope you guys are having a good week, like I said. Uh, thanks to all of you for the continued support of the Hoots Podcast. And this is episode 225. We are 25 episodes away from reaching 250. And on a listener point of view, we are 5,000 listeners slash downloads away from reaching 200,000 on Anchor. So I just want to say really quick, thank you for the continued and loyal support for this podcast. It really means a lot to myself and Brother Carter and everybody else who uh, plays a big role into the making of the podcast that hoots. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, let's say thank you for giving this podcast a chance. This is a live slash pro wrestling podcast. You're not going to hear me pop blood vessels over creative booking decisions. This is a podcast where I come out of here. <clears throat> this is my therapy, if you will. Um, and I try to keep my best to having a positive mental attitude. We recap a lot of stuff that happens in the world of wrestling. I talk about life topics as well. Uh, we take your questions every week. You could uh, hit me up on Twitter if you like at the Who's Podcast. Uh, Instagram is at Joshy Lopez ninety four and at Josh Lopez Music on Instagram if you want to check me out doing any cool guitar covers. And uh, we do this podcast free of charge every single week on Thursday. All I ask of you is to smash the subscribe button. And for those uh, that use Apple Podcasts, especially our loyal um, listeners to the podcast. And good brothers and good sisters, please leave us a four or five star review or just an actual rating. Uh, no, an actual review on Apple Podcasts, and that would really help expand the reach of the podcast. So, thanks to all of you for the weekly support. We got a lot to talk about this week. We got to recap Clash of Champions, uh, the period that just went down in the WWE Thunderdome in Orlando, Florida this past Sunday. Uh, we got another preview coming up on Sunday. Uh, it's NXT TakeOver 31, so I'll be making predictions for that uh, wonderful event towards the end of the podcast. Speaking of the end of the podcast, we have a brand new edition of the Dawson Derrico featuring the one and only brother Carter Derrico 6 uh, on Instagram, at Derek Stein on Twitter. Um, and also, we can't forget, folks. The most highly requested segment in all of professional wrestling podcasting. What the hell is wrong with AEW? So, again, for those who are listening to the podcast for the first time, this is a totally different vibe. I have no filter. I have nothing to hide. I have nothing to be ashamed of. This is off the cup uh, as if I'm sitting next to you in the back porch and we're talking about professional wrestling. Uh, take, take a step back. Sit back, relax, strap it down, and I hope I can make your day better by with this podcast. And I just want to say thank you for giving this show a, a chance, and I promise you won't regret it. So, as a tradition that we've been uh, doing here on the Boost Podcast over the last couple weeks has been taking your questions. Uh, the loyal good brothers and sisters who listen to the show every single week. You can send me a question anytime throughout the week at the Hoots Podcast or at the Hoots Podcast at gmail.com. And I'll answer those questions for you in our opening segment slash monologue as we do every single week. It could be about anything. It could be about wrestling. It could be about life. It could be about sports. It could be about mental health. It could be about relationships. I've actually, um, privately, for those who don't know, I've been... Um, 
doing a lot of research on understanding the uh, dialogue and communications and relationships. Not that I need to do research on relationships just to try to get more relationships or whatever the fuck we want to talk about here. But it's just a topic I'm interested in. I've always been interested in psychology and understanding better approaches of how we uh, communicate with one we, with one and each other and trying to understand different energies and just uh, having a better concept of the important things in life as opposed to me coming on here and assuming what is and what's not about aspects of life. I'm, I'm a person that is self-aware. I take a step back and look things from a bigger picture point of view. I'm not really knee-jerk with how I view things. I'm not really paranoid with how I approach life. And I I am a student of the game in a lot of facets. I'm a student of the game of professional wrestling. I'm a student of the game of life. I want to learn. And I want to learn. <laughs> I want to learn. You guys remember um, uh, Malibu's Most Wanted? That was a funny-ass movie. Um, anyways, yeah, I, I've really been uh, taking some time over the last couple months um, trying to understand relationships better. And uh, I want to give a shout-out to a guy named Stefan Speaks. Uh, he's the main guy I've been listening to over the last couple of months, and the guy's very talented in what he does. He's a life and relationship coach, and uh, adds really uh, interesting perspectives like this one, and I mentioned this a few weeks ago. If you continue to put walls up, you're blocking your blessings. Let's start off with that, okay? So, back to the questions. I call this the Good Brothers Shooting the Shit Session. So we had a couple questions uh, from Chris Zuleta, uh, a good brother to the Hoops podcast and the TBD Wrestling podcast. He sent a bunch of questions this week, as he always does, and we got a couple of questions from the one and only Nate the Great. So here we go. Here's uh, our batch of questions from Chris Zuleta. Um, you, you can follow him on Twitter, if you like, by the way, at XTeamZuleta24X on Twitter, if you like. He's a really cool dude. Uh, down to he does he's, he's not an egomaniac, so uh, you could uh, definitely uh, check out um, Chris on Twitter. He's a really good dude. Uh, okay, so first question on this docket here, he says, "What's going on?" First question here: favorite wrestling book or books you have read? Well, my favorite wrestling book that I read was. Uh, Daniel Bryan's uh, Improbable Journey to the Main Event of WrestleMania 30. That's my favorite uh, wrestling book. There's a, there's always been great books. Uh, I remember having Mick Foley's um, books uh, when I was younger. Uh, I know Chris Jericho's had uh, a lot of books like The Lion's Tale or <laughs> the, what was it, the 10 Different Rules about being a wrestler or something like that. Um, Jericho's had a lot of good books over the years as well, despite my feelings on him currently on AEW. Um, other books that I've enjoyed over the years, um, believe it or not, there's two of them that may surprise you. I actually, uh, when I was in high school, I actually got into, um, the Twilight books. I really, I wasn't really a big fan of the series at the time because I didn't appreciate the movie, uh, for what it was at that time. This, you know, stupid young, like, trying to be masculine, blah, 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 which really wasn't the case, because I watched the movies later on <laughs> as I got older, and I actually love the series, and I love everything about it. I've actually read, um, I think I read New Moon and Eclipse in high school, 
and I look at that book and I, <laughs> I every day I wake up I've realized that more and more as the days go by that I'm living I'm living what Jacob uh, Black would be in real life just without the chiseled body I guess <laughs> but um and also uh, finding out that Kristen Stewart's my future wife. But that's another topic for another time. So I'd probably say the Twilight books are something non-wrestling related. But also another book that's wrestling related. Um, I actually, the last book I read was an audiobook. Uh, two of them. It was uh, J.R.'s Under the Black Hat. Because J.R.'s my idol. And the second one was the Bella Twins Incomparable book. I actually took time to read the Bell's uh, audiobook. And I uh, got a lot of respect for those two ladies. Those two ladies bust their ass and have one of the most unique stories I ever heard in any facet of life. Um, I know a lot of people don't love them for their wrestling style or maybe how they conduct themselves with their reality TV shows. But I think Brie and Nicole are very genuine people and getting to learn a lot about their stories and what they've been through. It's very touching. And um, those two have more uh, courage than people give them credit for. And I always admire people that hustle. Uh, I'm, I'm a hustler myself. I grind. Uh, I'm, I'm an independent contractor. I love grinding and earning what you get in life, not having things being handed to you. So I couldn't be happier for the Bell Twins. They, their new recent moms, uh, shout out to Mateo and um, Buddy, uh, beautiful kids. The, they're having a great uh, career post-wrestling right now, and I could have been happier for them. Uh, they're in good mental space as well, which is good. And um, if you guys even have had a chance to read the Incomparable book, you, you should go check it out. Um, there's a lot of stuff that uh, Brie <laughs> in particular mentioned that I kind of relate to to the last uh, relationship that I had. And uh, maybe we can talk about that in another podcast down the road. But all right. Good question, though. Uh, next one here. He says, do you think Melina returns to WWE? Um, I do. I'm... I've always been a big fan of Melina. Obviously, you could just look at her and the rest speaks for itself. But more importantly, I got to see her recent run in the NWA on NWA Power. And she was just as good right now as she was back then on the mic, in-ring stuff. Uh, Melina is still a very talented performer. And I don't see why she couldn't come back to the WWE. Let me take a swig of water real quick. All right. Thoughts on the upcoming WWE draft? Who needs to go where? Well, my thoughts on the WWE draft coming up is um, I don't know if I would have drafts take place before WrestleMania season. I think a lot of us are so uh, conditioned to how sports drafts are compared to wrestling where when you have somebody go to a different team or they get drafted, like you have all these high expectations for somebody and then they don't live up to it to whatever circumstances. I I can't look at it the same way with wrestling because it's an entertainment uh, avenue. It's not sports. I don't, for me, I don't look at pro wrestling as I look at sports. So maybe me and you would differ there. So like 
when it comes to the draft, I think what's unfortunate sometimes is that when they have the draft before WrestleMania season, some people do get left out <laughs> uh, because they don't have no fuse or there's not enough people to defend the card. Um, for me, I've always had the uh, the WWE draft take place a week or two after WrestleMania. or Hell, even if maybe like a month after WrestleMania you can do the draft, but... Uh, they are doing the draft. They did it last summer, uh, last fall before uh, SmackDown moved to Fox. So um, it's always good to sh- uh, shake things up. You know, I'm not unlike a lot of people that complain about the rematches and repeated feuds. And you know, one second we want long term feuds, and the next we don't because uh, we consume too much of wrestling. And when I see a rematch on television, whether it's Raw or SmackDown, that's that makes my job easier as a transcriber. You know, I have my website, ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. And when I see a rematch of something I've seen multiple times, it doesn't really bother me. It makes my job easier, actually. So, as far as who needs to go where, that's a great question. I think, one way or another, either Bailey and Sasha Banks need to be on different brands. Let's start off with that. Uh, I would move the Hurt Business to SmackDown. If that was up to me, this thing, uh, the one of the best factions in all of wrestling right now, I think Hurt Business deserved the spotlight on Fox because you know what happens with the Hurt Business: big things are popping and little things are stopping. So I say the Hurt Business should go to SmackDown. Uh, I mentioned that Bailey and Sasha should separate uh, should be on separate uh, brands, and we'll talk about Sasha. And- Bailey later on when I do my Clash of Champions review. Um, you know, I could look at possibly having Sheamus or maybe Corbin going to Monday Night Raw. I, I don't know what else they could do on SmackDown. I, I think Matt Riddle will stay there. Uh, you could say possibly that um, Seth Rollins could go to SmackDown. I just don't see that happening. I don't. Uh, I would have Kevin Owens go to SmackDown, or Aleister Black, uh, that'd be my choice, uh, there's, I'm curious to see how it goes out, how this draft plays out, because, uh, we'll see how it affects both brands as we head towards WrestleMania season, so, uh, I'm not opposed to the draft, but maybe we should do the drafts after WrestleMania, not before WrestleMania season, okay, next one, who do you think the mystery person is that is returning at NXT TakeOver. Um, there's been a lot of good guesses. I keep hearing people say that it's Bo Dallas. I don't believe that. At first, I thought it was Bobby Roode. Um, but Bobby Roode came back on Raw this week and had a really good match with Drew McIntyre. So it was nice to see him back. I got no idea. I would have to think possibly with how Keith Lee... Uh, put down on Andrade on Raw this past week. I would have to say it's possibly Andrade that's going to uh, going back to NXT. Uh, that's another hook uh, hook line for people to check out the pay per view on Sunday. I mean, Takeover has a loaded card as it is, but even then, to figure out who who's the former NXT champion that's coming back to NXT, we'll see. Should be pretty interesting. Next one, do you think the TNA OG knockouts deserve any credit for the women's evolution? 
I think any women's wrestler from any era uh, deserves credit for where women's wrestling is. I don't believe that one era, one company, one division deserves credit over over another. Uh, this it took over almost 40, 50 years to figure out that women's wrestling matters uh, in the United States. I mean, they've always treated with respect in in the UK and Mexico and Japan. But for 40 years, because we live in a country filled with robots, we have a robotic mentality to life and how we approach things and how we view things. So people weren't buying women's wrestling as something that people could take seriously. Uh, I think every single female performer, where they're in part of broad panties matches or the Victorias of the world or uh, Molly Holly, Jazz, Jacqueline, Ivory, uh, the Lundra Blazes, the Bull Nicanos, the Wendy Richters, the list goes on, the the Jumping Blonde Angels, uh, the Mullahs and Mae Youngs, all of them deserve credit. Uh, for where women's wrestling is today. Yeah, we get it. With WWE as a corporate company, sometimes they hype up things for hyperbole reasons more than they should sometimes. But I don't think... The 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 woman that did an amazing job in TNA, that OG knockout division, was fantastic. They deserve a lot of credit too. I just don't think it's a one particular company thing that deserves more credit than than the other. I just think it's a long time realization that people do care about women's wrestling and we're reaping the benefits from it now. So that'd be my answer to that. I like this question. Where do you rank Ashanti among one of the best R&B artists? Well, for me, uh, Chris, I love Ashanti. I've, that I'm showing my age here, but Ashanti was starting to get really, really big when I was in elementary school and high school growing up, and uh, I always been a big fan of her music. Uh, she's a very, very talented singer. Um, there's two R&B singers that I feel that don't get the credit that they deserve. It's her and it's Faith Evans, and I love uh, Ashanti. Can I say she's a top five R&B singer of all time? It's just so subjective. I mean, there's so many to choose from over the years. But I love Ashanti. I think she deserves to be up there top 10 or top 15. She's very, very talented. And I love I love her music. And she's a tremendous singer. I mean, yeah, you could say that somebody like Keisha Cole is very underrated. Uh, I love playing her songs on the guitar. So... I like that question. That was a good one. Uh, next one. Top five big punk songs. Uh, man, that's a great question. Uh, rest in peace to the uh, Barican Good Brother, by the way. Um, yeah, I heard... Yeah, he passed away about 20-something years ago, which is, which sucks. But, um, well, I have, I have a couple here. I don't know if I could do five, but I, I do this one. Uh, the first one is... Cap, uh, no, it's the Caribbean Connection from the Capital Punishment album, 1998. Uh, second one, uh, Fast Money. Um, let's see. 
Beware. Um, you ain't a killer from the soul in the hole. Uh, and then, of course, I'm not a player with Joe. So those would be the ones that stand out to me. Uh, Big Punch had a lot of good songs. He was, he was very, very talented rapper. Um, it's so hard. The one he did with Donnell Jones was a great song too. So, um, rest in peace to Big Pun. Uh, he passed away on February 7th of 2000 and he was 28 years old, which sucks, man. Um, just a talented rapper gone way, way too soon. So those are my songs for Big Pun. And then what was the other one that Chris asked? Uh, where do you rank uh, Fat Joe among great artists? Um, for me personally, I think Fat Joe is a acquired taste. Uh, I'm not saying that he hasn't had good hits or he's not talented what he does. Um, he's just one of those guys that's always there. Like I, I don't. When I see something from Fat Joe, I'm not rushing to listening to it, and it's not a personal slight towards him. It's just I. I had a couple songs from him that I liked when I was younger uh, in elementary school, but nothing that he's came out with recently just hasn't really resonated with me. Like, uh, <laughs> I get sometimes more enjoyment seeing what he does on like a show like Wild and Out than I would hearing his uh, music. So um, I don't know if I would rank him up there with the great artists. And then the last question for Chris, and Chris, thank you, brother, again, for these awesome questions. Uh, do you follow high school basketball? I don't currently uh, follow along with current high school basketball, but here's something that people don't know. When I was in high school and before I went to broadcasting school, I was actually uh, helping out the high school basketball team and recording the games for them and using uh, – they had me as their video guy to record their games and they use as practice. So um, when I was in high school, I saw Anthony Davis play. Uh, when I was in high school, uh, I got to see a lot of uh, the current NBA players there. It's Simeon and uh, Whitney Young and a lot of the different popular high schools here in Chicago. Um, Chicago's probably the biggest basketball city just for pure basketball reasons uh and i got to see a lot of that when i was in high school so i i don't cover as much as i did back then but um yeah i i did and that was a lot of fun i went to a lot of different places throughout the city of chicago south side west side uh suburbs um dodging bullets having my bulletproof vest on um <laughs> you get the drill so uh, thank you chris for the questions uh now we go from Chris questions. Now we go to uh, Nate the Great's questions. Okay, and if you want to follow Nate the Great, you can follow him at Twitter at Cycle the Nigiri, uh, Nigiri. Here we go. If you could go back in time and give your eighteen-year-old self some advice, what would you say? Three things, and, and I just shared this uh, advice with somebody that's really special to me yesterday. Whenever you start feeling overwhelmed or you start doubting yourself or especially for someone like my case that deals with depression. And when I was 18, I was at the lowest part of my life with my parents getting divorced and just some really ugly personal things going on at that time. 
I was not in the right mental frame. Uh, I hated myself. I didn't know why I still was alive. I I had no purpose at that time. Uh, I thought I was really on the right track. I got accepted to the Berkeley College of Music. I wasn't able to attend school because my family was being torn apart at that time. And I just, I just got in a really bad, dark place. And how I got myself out of that is three principles that I keep inside of me every day. And I, I haven't shared this with anybody outside of the special person I mentioned yesterday. I'll, I'll share it with you guys here on the podcast. And I, I want you guys to write this down and remember this, okay? First off, I have myself. Meaning, no matter what's happening, as long as I got me, I'm going to be good. Secondly, there's nothing that I can't do. I'm taking any self-doubt out of my equation because there's nothing I can't do in this field. And thirdly, and most importantly, there's no level above me because I'm the best motherfucker in the world. I'm the fucking best in the world. So three things. I have myself. There's nothing I can't do. There's no level above me because I'm the fucking best. Keep those locked there in your head. And I think it really helped you out. And keep things in perspective and keep you motivated and pushing yourself forward as the days go by. I, I love that question, Nate. Who do you think? Has the brightest future and why? MGF and Johnny Gargano. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, for the good brother Mitchell Meek McMule, um, he's not going to like my answer here, but I'm going with MGF. Uh, MJF has everything uh, that Johnny Gargano has and then some. Uh, but MGF, it, when we talk about levels, there's MGFs of the world and there's the Johnny Garganos of the world. Not taking anything away from what Johnny Wrestling does in the ring and his performances at takeovers, but when you talk about pro wrestlers and pure stars, MGF fits the bill and MGF is one of the best talents in the world of professional wrestling. I keep have this have to have this disclaimer because we do have our seven where we do review and be honest about AEW, but there are performances I do like at AEW, and MGF is one of the very few that I do like at AEW. So I'll go with MGF, who has a brighter future. What's your favorite movie, and how has it affected you or the way you look at life now? Well, that's a great question. I have two movies. One is a biopic and another one is a a Disney movie. My favorite biopic is Notorious. And I think uh, the reason behind that should speak for itself for those who (laughs) listen to the podcast and know me personally. Notorious B.I.G. is the biggest like celebrity role model that I have in my life. And that's that. And then... As far as life is concerned, I'd probably say Lion King. There's so many elements of my life that I've gone through that I could correlate back to that movie. And it's my favorite movie. I watched it every day at my Wella's house when I was younger. And my Wella would watch him while my dad was working. 
and I I watched the uh, live um, adaptations of the movie um, <laughs> uh, that came out a couple years ago with Beyonce and Donald Glover, which was fantastic. Um, I I think they're doing another one for Lion King two, which is awesome. I can't wait to watch that. And yeah. <laughs> I, I I have to say liking for sure is definitely my favorite movie of all time. So I want to thank you, Nate and Chris for the great questions. As always, if you like to ask me questions and be part of the good brothers shooting the shit session, all you have to do is send me a tweet at the hoots podcast, or you can email me at the hoots podcast at gmail.com. I'll answer your questions and literally you can ask me about, anything so we're about to review clash of champions from this past sunday let's take a swig a quick swig of water and we'll be right back all right ladies and gentlemen we're back time to recap the latest pay-per-view offering from the wwe main roster uh aka the champions of clashes no the champions were contains clashes um an NWA staple. Really quick, I want to give a shout out to uh, my mentor, Jonathan Hood. By the way, if you're in the Chicago area, make sure to listen to Cap and J Hood every mornings from 7 to 10 a.m. on ESPN 1000 WMVP Chicago. It's the best radio show in the city of Chicago on the best radio station. In Chicago, ESPN 1000, WMVP Chicago. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Hoodie because uh, he was going over some of his favorite um, <laughs> Clash of Champions, Clash of the Champions moments from the NWA and WCW years. So I, I got a big pop out of that listening to his latest episode on uh, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. So go check out Jonathan's podcast, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. It's one of my favorite wrestling podcasts, and it should be yours too. Uh, Hoodie does a great job talking about pro wrestling, and there's a reason why uh, the guy's a superstar now. He has his own morning show, pal. So I want to give a shout out to you, Hoodie. Hope you're doing well. All right, Class of Champions. I really enjoyed this pay per view a lot. Uh, I I got listened to a little snippet of Brother Carter's uh, thoughts of Derrico before we recorded the show this week, and uh, he echoed the same sentiments. I just thought this was one of the better pay-per-views overall this year for the WWE. Uh, this is a really tremendous pay-per-view from top to bottom. Um, you know, there was a couple unfortunate circumstances that affected a couple matches on the card due to the pandemic. Uh, Nikki Cross uh, missed out on her match with Bailey for the SmackDown Women's Champion. Uh, so, you know, you have to go with a plan B. So, to have Asuka be a ruse to bring in Sasha Banks to attack Bailey, I thought was a good decision there. And uh, Sasha, even with a neck brace, she looks freaking hot. Holy moly. Um, <laughs> for those listening to the podcast, I have not missed my words when it comes to my thoughts on Bailey and Sasha and their program together as a tag team or the this continuation of a feud that happened five years ago. I haven't missed words. I, I'm, not t- I'm not taking a step back from anything I said. Uh, I do give credit where credit's due, especially the promos that Sasha and Bailey have been cutting over the last couple weeks. And uh, numbers don't lie, metrics don't lie. These two have done a fantastic job uh, during this pandemic era of wrestling. I'm not going to take that away from them. But also, when I 
analyze or critique the product. I'm talking about the in-ring stuff and just overall products. I'm not I'm not coming out here to talk about booking. I'm talking this from my point of view. I can speak for myself and I can have my own opinions, right? <laughs> this is this is my show, right? <laughs> um, so I'm not buying this whole thing that Sasha and Bailey are this marquee feud that. We have the the whole wrestling world needs to stop just because Bailey and Sasha are feuding with each other. I just don't look at it that way. Um, you know, I'm seeing a lot of people say that Bailey and Sasha better main event Hell in the Cell or WrestleMania or something. I'm sure Bailey and Sasha can have a high level match at WrestleMania. Do I personally think that Bailey and Sasha Banks warrants a WrestleMania main event? I don't, but that's my opinion. <laughs> Uh, could they main event Hell in the Cell? Sure. And I wouldn't have a problem with that. At the end of the day, we need to have some resolution with the Sasha Banks and Bailey program. They need to go their separate ways. And the draft could have come at a better time. So even if Sasha loses to Bailey at Hell in the Cell, have her go to Raw. Have Bailey go to Raw. I don't care what the situation is. Like, we need to figure where these are going. So, hell, even have Sasha beat Bailey at Hell in a Cell and become SmackDown World Champion. These two need to get away from each other. I just don't think there's going to be enough heat or steam to keep this program with these two going. I just, I just don't see it. What I do see was an epic ladder match for the Intercontinental Championship that took place on Sunday. It was Jeff Hardy putting his title on the line against Sami Zayn and AJ Styles. Um, this was one of the craziest ladder matches I've ever covered. Uh, just some of the brutal, brutal spots that went on this match. I mean, Styles uh, sidestep Hardy into a middle rung of a ladder, which was nasty earlier in the match. Um, you know, we everybody saw the spot where Jeff Hardy did the Swanton bomb off a ladder through the uh, on the floor, and I I just don't know how this guy does it, man. He's he is one of the craziest wrestlers I ever seen in my entire life, and he put his body on the line. All of them did. Uh, I just thought the match layout for this ladder match was really good. You know, there are going to be clunky uh, spots in a hardcore base or a ladder base match. That's just what it is. It's not, it's not supposed to look like Ricky Stebo and Macho Man for WrestleMania when it comes to having a hardcore match. Uh, just laying it out, how it looks visually, is, is that's besides the point. What's important is the story that's being told in the ladder match and what Sami Zayn did being the annoying net as that he is, he found a way to outsmart AJ and Jeff Hardy by using handcuffs. Zayn handcuffed the right earlobe of Jeff Hardy to a ladder, which was nasty. And then as Zayn was climbing up the ladder with AJ... Uh, he used one of the other runs of the ladder to handcuff the other hand of AJ Styles. So, Sami Zayn is your reigning, defending, undisputed intercontinental champion. So, I thought that match was really good. Again, I, I just thought there was a lot of good matches on this show. I mean, you look at um, Bobby Lashley and Apollo Crews for the United States Championship. Uh, I thought that was a really solid match. 
Um, I'm all in with the Hurt Business. You guys know how I feel about the Hurt Business. Um, (laughs) Can't get enough MVP. Bobby Lashley's doing some of the best stuff of his career right now. We have a resurgence in both Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin's careers. So, Hurt Business is on point and business is booming, pal. So, I I enjoyed that United States uh, Championship match. Also, um, I got to mention this. I don't know what's going on with Kevin Dunn or Vince McMahon. uh, But I understand that we need to be cautious with these injuries that go on. But if you're going to do a quick finish just to get out of a match because somebody's injured, you got to let the freaking performers know what's happening. Like, you have these referees out there with these lost in uh, days uh, looks looks on their face after they're being told, okay, d- just do a roll-up, one, two, three. But the referee is not even telling the performance what's going on. Like, I, I was enjoying the Street Profits match with Andrade and Angel Garza, and I hope Angel Garza is okay. But you're making your referees look stupid. With how you guys have been ending some of these matches recently, it's either the uh, we're ending matches early because of injury, we're ending matches because the ref uh, needs fucking glasses to see whose hands are up, or odd looking three counts because uh, wrestlers are out of position. There, that that a lot of that stuff needs to be cleaned up. To be honest with you guys, um, let's see what else stood out. Uh, I liked, I really liked the ambulance match for the WWE Championship. I really did. I thought this was a great outing for Drew McIntyre, who continues on with his really good uh, WWE title reign. Uh, I thought this was the right choice to have him uh, before the main event because um, the heat that was produced on SmackDown this past Friday... With Roman Reigns and Jay Uso was one of the best segments that I've seen this year in all of wrestling. And having that much heat and having the Jay Uso Chronicle special the night before, uh, Class Champions warranted that match to close out the pay per view. It's not a slight towards Randy or Drew McIntyre. It's not. I I thought they had a fantastic match. Yes, Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair and Big Show and Christian got involved. But you you guys are, those people on Twitter, I'm not going to say you guys because I think some of you guys are more rational than some of these people. But a lot of the people on Twitter always whine and bitch about the lack of continuity in these feuds and these matches and starting like where's the continuity where's the long term storytelling uh, but 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 when you have uh, Ric Flair and Shawn Michaels and Christian come out and attack Randy Orton it makes Randy Orton look weak really a guy who's a legend killer who took out all four guys in the process of getting into this feud with Drew McIntyre they're coming out and getting a measure of revenge on the guy. And you want to say that it's making Randy Orton look weak? That it doesn't make sense? Like, come on. <laughs> Don't tell me that you want continuity 
And then when they're following up something because it benefits a baby face and it doesn't benefit the person that you want to win the WWE Championship, don't tell me that that story doesn't make sense. Come on now. Look at that finish after everything that went down with all the legends. Orton still hit an RKO on the floor right after all that happened. And then Drew McIntyre put it away with the Claymore kick and a punk kick to uh, fit the bill and send Randy on his way to the ambulance. So Drew McIntyre is still your WWE champion. And it looks like they'll have a Hell in a Cell match to conclude things on their end at Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. Uh, really quick, because uh, I'm adding my This Week in WWE stuff into the segment as well. I really enjoyed the... Um, the 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 part at the end of uh, Raw this week where uh, Randy Orton had the night vision goggles and he was beating the shit out of the ledges in the in the party lounge. I thought that was fucking hilarious to close off the show, so I thought that was really good. Um, before I get into the final part of Clash of Champions, there's a couple of things from TV I do want to mention that I did like this week. Uh, first off, Kevin Owens and Aleister Black had a wonderful match. Uh, unfortunately, the match ended in disqualification because Alistair accidentally knocked down the referee and Drake Wurtz was in his feelings, so he got Alistair Black disqualified. So that's what it was there. Um, like I mentioned it was nice seeing Robert Roode back uh, taking on Drew McIntyre's open challenge, so that was fine by me. I thought Raw was a pretty, pretty solid show this week uh, for top to bottom as opposed to last week. Um the stuff with Seth Rollins and Rey Mysterio continues on, and um, uh, it's it, it's it's her, uh, it's bringing in Buddy Murphy into the equation now, and uh, Dominic and Murphy had a pretty good match on Raw as well, and uh, Leah slapped Dominic in the face after Dominic called Leah naive, and there's drama, and there's it's a you know people could call it a male soap opera. But I like what they've been doing. I may be in the minority. I love the Monday Night Messiah. I love this dude right now with Seth Rollins and Rey Mysterio. And I'll take that badge of honor. If you want to judge me for uh, enjoying the Seth Rollins-Rey Mysterio program, go ahead and knock your socks off. So uh, I really, really enjoyed that. And then um, then we got to uh, talk about... What everybody's talking about. And this time we're going to close off our review and uh, this week in WWE segment. Okay? So, Roman Reigns is on another level right now. I got a couple pieces of audio that I want to play for you guys here before we get into our recap of the G1 and all our fun stuff. But uh, I got to talk about Roman Reigns and Jey Uso, the main event for Clash of Champions. This match in particular really set things off for this being a fantastic pay-per-view. If you haven't had a chance to watch Clash of Champions, go go out of your way to check it out. And it was a really top-notch pay-per-view. Uh, so I watched uh, Roman Reigns and Jey Uso and... It was exactly the way it should have been. And Jay did have his offense when he hit, he could. But we're putting over the fact that Roman Reigns is the tribal chief. Not only is he the tribal chief of SmackDown. He's the tribal chief of the Anawai family. He 
and some people are not going to like this when I say this, but what's going on right now currently and how things are looking from a big picture standpoint, Roman Reigns is the tribal chief of pro wrestling right now. He's the most talked about guy. He's doing the best work right now out of everybody on all the promotions that I'm watching right now, object- objectively speaking. And Triple H was a guest on the bump to preview uh, NXT TakeOver this weekend. But uh, Caleb Braston asked um, Triple H if he if this is the final touch on Roman Reigns, the current character right now that you see on WWE programming. So here's Triple H on the bump. Well, I don't know, but I hope he got a new phone. Like a two or something like a two. Yeah, he was on dial-up service or something like that with with the ringer he had. He was being charged for those minutes as he speaks. Um, I think what you are seeing now um, is is the full finished product, and. You know, everybody goes through sort of evolutions of who they are, what they want to be, um, what they want to accomplish with their life and their um, their career. You know, and, and for Roman, I think it's it's always been different because of his family background, because of the dynamics of his family, um, all of the Samoan dynasty, so to speak, and. When you step into that arena with that pressure of your family on you, including The Rock, um, it's heavy. And it's heavy in what can you accomplish and what can you do. And as you rise up through that, you know, I think there's a part of when you, when you look at Roman, it's hard not to think this guy has everything possible to be not only a star in the WWE, but, you know, in anything he wants to do. He, he, he looks like a movie star. He's one of the most athletic guys on any roster. Um, he's smart. He's articulate. He's controlled. He's composed. He's doesn't get rattled. He doesn't panic. He doesn't stress. Um, Everything you could want, but it takes a while to sort of develop what's already there, I guess, and and to trust in yourself that that is what you need to be to achieve what you want in life. And as you move on through that, I think those goals change. What you see now, to me, is the the finished article. It's um, this is the Roman Reigns that knows what he wants, has what he wants, is at the head of the table for his entire family. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to me, I, I love what he's doing right now. This is him. This is honest, true. This is real. This is him. And uh, I think that's why it feels so strong. But what he did on Sunday was prove to the world that maybe with the argument of a few people, he's on a different level. And he said it. There's levels to this. He's on a different level. There were moments in time um, in different eras of the business that you knew there were certain players, certain performers, certain people that were on a different level from everybody else on a day-to-day basis, just executing on a different level. Roman is there. Absolutely. Roman is there. 
As we move over to NXT and NXT. Alright. That was Triple H on the bump. If you guys haven't checked out the bump, they do a lot of good interviews on that show. I want to give a shout out to that crew. Uh, they do a lot of good stuff. Like You can look at a paper and say, oh, this is just a, it's not a show that's not there to review booking or blah, 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 blah. But I think what they do with the bump is very, very good. And I, I enjoy the interviews they do. Matt Camp, um, Evan T. Mack. You have uh, Kayla, of course, being the host of the show. And, of course, we got Ryan, the biggest Sasha Banks mark on God's planet Earth. Uh, so, you heard it right there from the game. Roman Reigns is the tribal chief of pro wrestling. What he did in that match with Jey Uso on Sunday was just absolutely fantastic. I think the work they did in that match speaks for itself. You know, the constant talking, the constant just beatdown and just sure dominance that Roman Reigns had over his cousin and having Jimmy Uso come out there and, hey, I'm I'm going to throw the towel in, Uso, I'm going to throw the towel in. And just a lot of the symbolism, the storytelling in that match was just absolutely on point. I loved it. I was eating it up as a fan while transcribing the match, and it was just a lot of fun to watch. So, uh, Roman Reigns is a star, man. He's the tribal chief of wrestling. He's the reason why you should watch SmackDown each and every single week. He's on another level right now. There's levels to this. And like I mentioned earlier in the show, you have to remind yourself, you have to have yourself, there's something you can't do, and there's no level above you, because you're the fucking best. And Roman Reigns is a pure example of t- just that. So, I enjoyed Class of Champions. What did you think about the show? Uh, give me your thoughts on Class of Champions in the review section on Apple Podcasts. Alright, let's get into a little recap of the G1 Climax Tournament. We're an hour into the show. We're going to get into our uh, favorite segment of the week in just a couple of minutes. But I do want to come on here and uh, talk about what's, what's been going on in my life over the last three weeks or so. And it's um, been really busy and just littered with content for the website, ProWrestlingTranscripts.com, covering the G1 Climax Tournament for the fourth time uh, the fourth consecutive year, actually, uh, that I've been covering the G1. And this one's the 30th, and it's been the best one so far, in, in my opinion. It's been a lot of fun to transcribe. I talked about it last week, about some of the awesome matches that we saw from the A block and the B block. I'm um, here to update you the, on the standings and some of the matches I've seen this week. And uh, for those who don't know... Coming up next week, there's six G1 events that I had to transcribe. So, starting off in October with a bang with a batch of New Japan articles for all of you. And I uh, hope you guys do enjoy it. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, here's the updated scoreboards for the G1 Climax 30 tournament. Uh, starting off at the A block, we have a uh, five way tie, really quick, with Jay White, Kotobushi, Will Ospreay, Minoru Suzuki, and Taichi at six points. Okada has four points. We have a three way tie uh, for uh, two points. Ishii, Takagi, Jeff Cobb, and Yujiro is the lone person with zero points. Uh, 
every every competitor in the B block do have points. Uh, at the top, we have three-way tie with Tessia Naito, Juice Robinson, and Toriano at six points. Uh, we have a four-way tie here in this bracket with uh, Tanahashi, Evil, Kenta, and Zack Sabre Jr. with four points. And then to round it up, we have Goto, Sonata, and Yoshihashi who have two points. So, since the last time I talked to you guys, um, I let's let's go over the matches that really stood out to me uh, since then. Um, you know, looking at what happened on Sunday, we had three barn burners that have just off the charts. Um, we had Abushi and Tomohiro Ishii. I don't know if there's a particular match in wrestling that I just enjoy watching for what it is more. Then Abushi and Tomohiro Ishii. They just beat the shit out of each other. And I love watching it each and every single week. Um, Shingo defeated Will Ospreay in another barn burner. You guys remember they had that uh, infamous match in the Best of the Super Juniors tournament last year. And uh, the rematch was just as good. Jay White defeated Okada in the main event, which was a really good match as well. Then we go into this week. Uh, there was three events. Uh, we'll start from the Tuesday B block action. Uh, I really enjoyed the match with um, Kenta and Zack Sabre Jr. I thought that was a great match. Yoshihashi's been putting on some good performances recently. Uh, his match, he defeated uh, Sonata on Tuesday, get his first points of the tournament. Uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi over Rostin was a good match, and Naito put down Hiroki Goto in Cork and Hall. And then uh, what happened yesterday uh, for the eight block? Um, Ibushi beat Cobb. Okada defeated Taichi in a pretty good match. Osprey upset Jay White. I thought Jay White was going to go undefeated in this tournament, but Will Osprey got a big victory over Jay White in that match. And then Ishii. There's nobody. It's every tournament, every year. Ishii has the best matches with everybody in the tournament. And it's just, uh, he's the reason why he's my favorite wrestler in New Japan. I just love watching him perform, man. His match with Takagi was absolutely insane. Then we go into today's show. And, by the way, I am not acknowledging the fact that no, I'm not. I'm not, I'm not even gonna mention Yato. I'm not. I don't have the energy for a rant right now. So, <laughs> um, so before I record, I press the record button today. I actually covered today's uh, B block action from uh, Nagata. Um, you guys can check out that article on the website right now. Uh, Juice Robinson defeated Toriano. Thank God. Uh, Zack Saber Jr. defeated Hiroki Goto. A very short match. I hope Hiroki Goto's okay. Uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi and Yoshihashi had one of the best matches on the show today. I really enjoyed that match. Uh, Evil and Kenta, a battle of Bullet Club mates. Uh, that was pretty solid as well. Evil defeated Kenta with help from Dick Togo. And then Sonata upsets Naito in a 27-minute main event barn burner. Uh, just some really, really good action for the G1. If you guys haven't seen any of the shows... Go out of your way to get New Japan World or catch up with the the, the events on ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. I have a reference sheet for the uh, G1 that I attach to every G1 article that I do. And you can uh, catch up with the updated scores. You can catch up with the updated match cards for the upcoming events. Like I mentioned, there's six events for the G1 next week. And uh, I'm... 
the next one is coming up on Monday. So right there, ladies and gentlemen, is your G1 Climax 30 update. And um, folks, we're getting ready. It's about that time. Everybody in the world is going to get what they want. It's the most requested segment in all of professional wrestling is dubbed What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. And we're going to start it off with the one and only Brother Carter in 3, 2, 1. It's time for What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. What the hell is wrong with AEW? Okay, we gotta once again start with the TNT Championship. You got this brawl between Brody Lee and Cody, which was absolutely terrible. So Cody comes out, cuts a decent promo, but then Lee comes out and kind of sort of half-heartedly charges the ring, and then they have this kind of little fake brawl, and the AEW officials weren't exactly rushing the ring to stop it. They were moving very slowly. There was no sense of urgency, like, oh my god, we have to stop these two guys from tearing each other's part. It was awful. It was clearly, clearly it was staged. And it was absolutely ridiculous. And then they're going to go into a dog collar match? Really? Like, this is the programming that AEW is trying to put on in 2020, a dog collar match. I'm, I, I'm sorry, but there's going to be some people that find that extremely offensive. Um, I think it's absolutely ridiculous and a waste of Cody's talent. Brody Lee is just awful. Speaking of awful, I have 100% changed my tune on the Young Bucks. They suck. I'm sorry, but they suck. Their storyline is terrible. We haven't seen them in the ring in, you know, three weeks to a month. I have absolutely no reason to care about this team at all. They can't act. They have to go. Then they go kick, super kick Shivani, which was beyond anticlimactic. It should have been a bigger moment because Shivani is, you know, he's he's a legendary figure in professional wrestling. For good or for bad, he is. And then you immediately cut to JR and Excalibur. You got the music going on underneath it. It's It was so horribly done. I'm sorry, but the Young Bucks suck. It was absolutely terrible. It should have been a bigger moment. It was awful. Adam Page, I, you guys know how much I dig Adam Page as a wrestler. But he's just as bad on commentary as Kenny Omega is. And that's saying a lot because Kenny Omega is about as boring as watching paint dry or grass grow or or wind be created. I don't know. It just, you know, name your boring analogy here, but that's Kenny Omega in a nutshell. And Adam Page was just as bad. It was horrible. They need to stay off the microphone, get in the ring. Speaking of which, when have we seen Kenny Omega in the ring? God, it's been a while. It's uh, these, But you know, the elite are supposed to be the saviors of AEW, but they barely wrestle anymore. They can't act. It's just it's just ridiculous. I hate to say this, folks, but Chris Jericho has got to go. Or his time has to be severely limited. And I hate saying that because I love Judas. I love what I love what Jericho's name brings to AEW, but he is not what he once was. The match with Isaiah Cassidy was okay. The post match brawl with Luther was ridiculous. 
ridiculous. Him and Hager and Luthan. I can't even remember that other guy. But it was just awful. And so you're telling me that Jericho's 30th anniversary is going to be, they're going to celebrate him with a tag match with boring Jake Hagar and then Luther and some dude who I, his name I can't even remember because that's how much I don't care about it. It was awful. Jericho needs to go. The demo god, the demo god gimmick is stupid. It doesn't work. Ratings don't matter. It's absolutely ridiculous, and I hate saying it, but Jericho's got to go. And then we get to the main event of the show, which was boring. Butcher was given an opportunity, which is fine. You know, I have no problem with superstars getting an opportunity for the world title, but he did not deliver. The match was boring. Eddie Kingston did cut a good promo before, so I was cool with that. But the main event was boring. Moxie's growing on me, but he took a step back and what was pretty much a lackluster show. Seriously, what the hell is wrong with AEW? This has been What the Hell is Wrong with AEW. Thank you, Brother Carter, once again for a tremendous um, insert there and uh, contribution for this week's segment of What the Hell is Wrong. With AEW. Well, I'll tell you, ladies and gentlemen, as I said last week, Chris Jericho needs to go the fuck home and stay the fuck home. I want to echo what Brother Carter just mentioned there a couple minutes ago about Chris Jericho and this big 30th anniversary special that we got coming up next week on Dynamite. So you mean to tell me <laughs> that the COVID god and NyQuil Lesnar is taking on Luther and Serpentico? Now, Brother Carter doesn't know who Serpentico is, and I don't blame anybody who doesn't know who he is, but I do, because I cover a show that's longer and feels longer than Monday Night Raw, and that show is called AEW Dark. It takes me longer to cover Dark than I do Monday Night Raw. I just want to let you guys know that, by the way. So the big get, this big match that Chris Jericho's having uh, next week for his 30th anniversary show is with a tag team who doesn't know the rules of tag team wrestling. Watch Luther and Serpentico from AEW Dark this week against Brian Pillman Jr. and Griff Not Jungle Boy Garrison, okay? This is the first time I've ever seen this. So... You know the whole drill where you, you're a heel tag team, somebody punches you for the ring apron, and then they come in the ring, blah, 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 blah. You know, they manipulate the referee's vision, all that stuff, right? They do the same spot. But Luther punches the uh, Pride Pillman in the face. He comes into the ring without a tag, by the way. Body slants Pillman right in front of the referee. Goes in the cover. Rick Knott goes down. One, two. What? When has it ever been okay that you could punch somebody, give somebody a move, not be the legal competitor, and go on with the match? And then let's transition to another nonsense thing that I saw last night on Dynamite. What a coincidence. It involves Luther. The stupidest wrestler in 2020. And I'm not leaving Reverie off. I'm not leaving 
uh, Aubrey Edwards off the hook here because she's the shits. So, okay, we have Chris Jericho and Isaiah Cassidy. I think Jericho's losing a step in the ring. I thought Isaiah Cassidy looked okay in the match. So, if you guys want my thoughts on the match, there it is. Okay? So, Cassidy backdrops Chris Jericho over the barricade into Luther. Jericho shoves Luther. Luther punches Chris Jericho in the face right in front of the referee. And that's not a disqualification. Can somebody explain to me why AEW continues to spit in the face of professional wrestling fans? Hell, you guys want to talk about booking and storylines and stuff with WWE doesn't make sense. How about what's really important? If I want to be a wrestling fan and watch wrestling, I'd rather have the fucking matches make sense than the promos and all the window dressing character stuff that goes into these shows. Fuck promos, fuck storylines. We're watching wrestling. If your wrestling matches don't make sense, why should you watch the fucking show? Explain that to me. You're a referee. You literally see somebody sitting for the ringside area punching another uh, performer in the face that wasn't even involved in the match and you're not calling it a disqualification. Just absolutely embarrassing. But that's par for the course for all French wrestling because they they can do nothing wrong. Nobody criticizes their work. Nobody, uh, it's all Teflon. We pat each other on the ass. Uh, because we're not working for Vince McMahon, and y- y- we know the drill. I-, I-, I should I should change this uh, segment to me tearing Tony Khan a new asshole because his show is an embarrassment to pro wrestling. Let's talk about the good stuff that happened on the show. There's two matches that I really liked. Darby Allen and Ricky Starks to start off the show was a really good match. So. So I give my positivity here so you guys don't think I'm all hating AEW all the time. Ricky Starks and Darby Allen had a really good match. And we also had a good tag team title match. But here we go again with the continuity and stupid stuff that goes on in the ring. You guys look through storylines and booking with a fucking fine-tuned comb, but you don't do it for wrestling matches. And I don't understand that. If you're going to be the person that nitpicks everything in wrestling, go for the whole jugular. So, okay, we know the whole drill of sometimes managers will trip somebody uh, for the ringside area and they'll leave it off because they're heels and it plays their heel character, right? So we have FTR and SCU. Christopher Daniels is at ringside. We do the spot where there's a uh, reversal of Iris Whip and f- fucking Wheeler decides to intensely make himself fall down and pretend that Chris Daniels tripped him. And then the referee ejects Chris Daniels from ringside. I just want some fucking consistency with all the nonsense that AEW allows in their tag team matches, uh, especially now you want to eject Christopher Daniels from the ringside area with the fact that the finish involved Tully Blanchard holding on to Scorpio's leg to, for the fucking finish. So, I understand when Jim Cornette says this stuff is fucking stupid and illogical and macho because that's what it is. It's a spit in the face 
to professional wrestling fans. Oh, we got Mr. I'm in my feelings, Matt Jackson, super kicky, Tony Schiavone this week, just for the hell of it. And then the the meat on the bone, the appetizer, the main, not, not even the appetizer, the main encore, the main event here. I'm not talking about John Mossy and Butcher, because that doesn't warrant my attention. What I'm going to talk about in the main event for this segment is Cody Rhodes and Brody Lee. So, we find out that next week that Cody and Brody Lee will have a dog collar match next week for the TNT Championship, okay? Cool, I'm sure it'll be a great match. I liked some aspects of Cody's promo when he first came in, but it continues on with what I've been saying about Cody this entire time since AEW started. Why does Cody need a fucking four-minute pay-per-view entrance every single week on television? For the love of God, you are not Triple H. And this dude had the fucking audacity to say that calling yourself the ace is an outdated uh, perspective. And uh, he calls himself the ace. Brother, you ain't Hiroshi Tanahashi. And it's not even close in comparison. So, you know, Cody has to do look with the black hair. I like it. I Like I said, I think Cody and Brody Lee will have a good match. But Cody goes on to accept Brody Lee's challenge. And this leads to this fucking hosh-posh massive brawl that has Anna Jay out there. Great waterfall, by the way. McFlurry waterfall. Uh, we have Brandy Rose out there. They're, they're beating the shit out of each other. We have Nyla Rose out there uh, just going in, into it just for the hell of it. And it was just so, so sloppy and macho like It's just... Ah, oh, man, I just get to this point every week where we have to ask this question, man. It really, it really, guys, what in the blue hell is wrong with AEW? I just don't get it. Hey, but they, they're the saver of all professional wrestling in 2020, according to Forbes, my ass. With that being said, <laughs> let's talk about a product that actually does contain good wrestling on Wednesday nights, and that's NXT. Coming up this Sunday on the WWE Network is NXT TakeOver 31. And uh, I haven't had a chance to listen to Triple H's uh, press conference with the media. I'll do that later on tonight. Uh, So we'll get a chance to check that out and hear what he has to say. And um, it should be a lot of fun. But um, I wanted to say... um, Let's let's make some predictions for this before we close out the show for this week. Uh, we'll start off here with Kushida against Velveteen Dream. I think this will be a good match. They are really showcasing that Kushida's could bring a more physical side that we saw from New Japan towards his character now in WWE, or he's not overthinking things just because he's the new guy. Um, I think Kushida will beat the Velveteen Dream here, and I think this should be a pretty good match. There's a lot of good matches on this card, by the way. Uh, the fact that we got uh, Santos Escobar against uh, Isaiah Swerve Scott, a.k.a. Uh, Killshot versus King Cuerno from Lucha Underground, it's going to be fucking awesome. I'm, I'm really happy for those guys, and I'm happy for the Cruiserweight division for the fact that they get an actual title match on the TakeOver. So um, this match is going to be absolutely insane. But I have Isaiah Swerve Scott defeating Santos Escobar and becoming your new NXT Cruiserweight Champion. 
I got Damian Priest retaining over Johnny Gargano. Uh, that's definitely my wild card match of the show. Uh, that match is going to be insane. Uh, Damian Priest uh, is clicking on all cylinders right now. I think he's my favorite performer on NXT right now. He's uh, doing a lot of good stuff. So I got Damian Priest retaining over Johnny Gargano. And I have Io Shirai retaining over Candice LeRae. By the way, Candice LeRae has been doing some fantastic stuff as a heel. Uh, I mentioned that she's an underrated waterfall, but more importantly, as a wrestler, she's just doing some awesome stuff in the ring. And they had a really good mixed tag team match last night to preview the event on Sunday uh, on NXT last night in the USA Network, and that was a lot of fun to write down. And I think both of these title matches are going to be top-notch. And then the main event, Finn Balor against Kyle O'Reilly for the NXT Championship. I do have the Prince retaining, and this is going to be another spotlight match for Kyle Riley, who's already been one of the best wrestlers in the world. He's getting his opportunity to main event his first takeover, and that's an awesome moment for um, Kyle Riley. You know, uh, I think the Undisputed Era were in the main events of like war games and worlds collide, but as, as far as the singles competitor is concerned, this is Kyle Riley's first takeover main event, and he's gonna kill it it's gonna be an awesome match with Finn Balor but I do see the Prince retain and become no not become but still remain your NXT champion so make sure to go out your way to check out NXT TakeOver 31 on the WWE Network it should be a fun event to transcribe and I'll have all that coverage for you on ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com with that being said we're about to wrap things up I want to say thank you guys so much for taking the time to check out the podcast this week and every single week. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter if you like at the Hoots Podcast. I'm on Instagram, Joshi Lopez94. That's J O S H I E Lopez94. And uh, you can follow me at Josh Lopez Music if you want to check out any cool guitar covers. Uh, we are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts from. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. It comes free of charge, so you don't have to pay anything for the podcast. Also, uh, leave us a four or five star review or rating on Apple Podcasts. It really helps expand the reach of the show. I want to get your guys' thoughts on what you saw for Clash of Champions. Did you enjoy it? Did you not? Uh, did you uh, enjoy what you've seen so far from the G1? Anything that stands out in your mind in wrestling or... Your thoughts on this particular podcast as a whole, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate the support. So, um, for Brother Carter, I'm the nefarious Brother Adam. I want to send this uh, bit of wisdom to you guys. Always remember, folks, be the authentic product that is yourself. As I said at the beginning of the show, remember three things. I have myself. There's nothing I can't do. And finally, there's no level above me because I'm the fucking best. I love you guys. I hope you guys enjoy NXT TakeOver 31 coming up this weekend on the WWE Network. Uh, it could be a good break from the Malusha that we've been seeing around our country and an absolutely embarrassing uh, debate the other night with uh, Joe Biden and Donald Trump. Just an absolutely clown show. And it's, a, it's an embarrassment that we have circus ass, circuit, circus acts as uh, primary candidates for the most important position in life, probably. (laughs) So, (laughs) um, yeah, uh, enjoy wrestling, find your escapes, 
enjoy some football as well. I know the Broncos and Jets are playing on Thursday Night Football tonight. So um, find something to get your mind off of some bad energy. So, um, again, be the authentic product that is yourself. Have a wonderful weekend. And I'll be back here to recap NXT TakeOver next week. Um, now we're going to send it off to Brett Carter in just a couple of seconds. But I just want to say thank you guys so much for checking out episode 225 of the Hoots Podcast. And right now, we're going to send it off to Brother Carter for this week's edition of the Thoughts of Derrico. Uh, yes, sir. And now, the Thoughts of Derrico. Listen well, man. Welcome, welcome, one and all, to a segment that will be rational, calm, and completely unbiased. It is The Thoughts of Derrico, featuring the one, the only, Brother Carter. We gotta talk about Clash of Champions, folks. That was one of the best pay-per-views I've seen in a while. A tremendous card from top to bottom. We opened with a match that could be a match of the year candidate in the... Intercontinental ta- uh, Intercontinental Triple Threat Ladder Match. Sami Zayn, Jeff Hardy, and AJ Styles were absolutely terrific. The action was fantastic. The pacing was great. I 100% loved it, and it was it, all three performers should be commended for their for their efforts in that match. What Sami Zayn did to Jeff Hardy with Jeff Hardy went through with the earrings and being attached to the ladders and stuff. Uh, Sami Zayn handcuffing AJ Styles was just brilliant to add another comp- uh, another wonderful layer to this fantastic, fantastic match. I enjoyed it thoroughly. Congratulations to all three performers. Zelina Vega showed what she can do against Asuka. We knew Asuka was going to get the win, but Zelina Vega had a great showing. I hope that they do more with her as a singles competitor. I think she's terrific on the mic, is good in the ring. Has a great look to her. She could be a superstar in the women's division. I thought that was absolutely terrific. I love, continue to love the Hurt Business and what they're doing with uh, Bobby Lashley, uh, Apollo Crews. All that stuff is terrific. The Hurt Business is one of the best things going in WWE right now. It's absolutely terrific. I loved it. A great match between them. Uh, Street Profits and Andretti and Angel Garza. Kind of a weird ending because Garza hurt himself. I get it. But another good effort um, by everybody involved. Unfortunately, we had some of the injury issues with Nikki Cross and Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. Both Jax and Baszler are denying their injuries on social media, but it is what it is. I still think, and you can find my opinion article about this on WrestlingRumors.net, but I very much believe that Sasha and Bayley should not be for a title of any reason. Just let them go. You know, let It'll mean more if it's just a grudge match because you can easily play up the feud uh, between them as friends, and now it's reached a boiling point. And that way, you can take the SmackDown Women's Championship and you know use it to build up other superstars. I'm thinking Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross could feud over the SmackDown title. That would be pretty cool because then you get the involvement of the Fiend. Which, by the way, I think the Fiend being possessed by Alexa Bliss is one of my favorite storylines in WWE right now. It's absolutely terrific. Alexa Bliss is amazing. Absolutely terrific. So, anyways, I, I think that that should be the case, but it is what it is. The Drew McIntyre Randy Orton ambulance match was fun. It was cool to see the legends back. Uh, you know, obviously they were doing that for fun, and that was really cool. 
to see again to see the legends back get involved get their revenge on randy orton and then to see rick flair drive the ambulance away was cool i loved it absolutely terrific and great effort by both by both competitors and then the main event holy cow is roman reigns back and better than ever that was as great of a performance as i've ever seen roman reigns give he is an amazing heel with or without Paul Heyman. The storyline with Jay Uso and Jimmy Uso was terrific. Jay Uso did a fantastic job, by the way, selling it. And his role in the match was, should not be understated. He was fantastic. Jimmy Uso throwing in the towel. Then you're getting him, calling him the tribal chief at the very end. Roman Reigns is, I still think, the second most important commodity to WWE behind Brock Lesnar. But Reigns is starting to close in on that Lesnar territory because Reigns, his, he's at a whole other level compared to everybody else that's currently on the active roster right now. Absolutely phenomenal. So happy to see Roman Reigns back. He deserves to be universal champion. And we, I have a feeling he's going to be holding that title for a long, long time. Those are my thoughts on Clash of Champions. Let's get into Raw this week. Just a couple things with Raw. Um, Aleister Black's new eye thing is kind of cool. I kind of like that with with one eye having a different pigmentation. I think that's kind of a neat. It's a new look for him. It you know it could work. I don't know what Zelina Vega thinks of it, but she can deal with it. I'm sure. Um, I will say, and, and I have to be critical. You know, I'm very critical of the officiating in AEW. We've got to be uh, consistent with the officiating in WWE as well. You know, you've got uh, the referee called for a disqualification because Aleister Black accidentally hit him. But then later on in the evening, I think Angel Garza it was through Andrade, or somebody got thrown into um, Jessica... Gosh, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on... It was a female, the female official's name, and, I, uh, and, I, and I'm blanking on her name. But she got somebody thrown into her, but didn't call it for a disqualification. So again, you've got to be consistent with the officiating. Again, if we're going to crit, crit, uh, critique AEW for their officiating, which was horrible... Absolutely horrendous officiating, but we've got to be consistent with that. Um, one thing that we learned from Bianca Belair this week is that she's basically Mr. Perfect. Uh, the vignettes that she's been doing has been uh, been great. I love that she's the EST of WWE. She's great, but we've got to get her back. She's better in the ring as opposed to these vignettes. That's where she shines, is in the ring as the EST of WWE. She needs to be back. She needs to be in a ring. And she needs to really take this women's division by charge. Because I think she could do it. Until, of course, the queen comes back. Woo! But Bianca, Bianca Belair could be a good challenger for Asuka uh, down the road. If she ends up staying on Raw with the draft coming up. Seth Rollins continues to be amazing. Uh, it's, I'm curious to see where they're going to go with him and Murphy. And Dominic and, and the whole Mysterio family. Um, Dominic continues to get better every week. But good lord, Aaliyah is a bad actress. I'm sorry. She's young, I know, and she's 19, and she's getting her shot, and it's fine, but ugh, she is not a good actress. I'm I'm sorry. I know she wants to be an actress, but yeesh, she's got some work to do in that department, because that was... I, I tweeted out via the WrestleRumors account, I don't know if Rey Mysterio should be proud of his children, or happy or sad, because his children are in WWE, and Dominic's great, but Aaliyah, yeesh. Plus, you got the 32-year-old versus, uh, you know, with the 19-year-old, so... There's that. I'm just going to leave that up for um, for you guys to, um, to to do what you want with that. Switching gears, let's talk about AEW this week. Um, 
some point in the show, uh, probably before this, you heard my thoughts of the hell is wrong with AEW, so you can go back and listen to that. There were some highlights with AEW this week. Um, good opening tag match with Ricky Starks and Dobby. Uh, I'm sorry, good opening match with Ricky Starks and Darby Allen. I think two tremendous competitors. Uh, Darby Allen is great in the ring. He just moves his his, his ability to move and create. Um, his in-ring work and his quickness is fantastic. And Ricky Starks is getting better every week, too. So I thought that was really great. I actually have to give credit where credit is due. I thought there was a good tag match between FTR and SCU. Um, that's what AEW needs to do more of, is the more of just wrestling, telling stories. Um, FTR did some underhanded tactics to get Christopher Daniels thrown away, and then Tully Blanchard cheated to help him win. Classic old-school heel tactics because FTR is a classic old-school heel tag team. I thought that was fine. They need to do some more of that and get themselves away from the ridiculous, god-awful bucks of youth. Oh, are you happy as I am that Britt Baker is back? We can finally have Britt Baker Appreciation Night yet again because she deserves... It's Josh and I talk about this. You know, It should be every night that we get to see Britt Baker is Britt Baker Appreciation Night. Uh, because she is just tremendous. She needs to be elevated to the top of that division. She needs to take on Akaru Shida quickly, uh, because Britt Baker is could be the face of the women's division in a in a division that sorely needs a face of their division. Last thing I'll say for the thoughts, Derek, this week is I'm not sure um, how I'm supposed to feel about the MGF Jericho stuff. It's kind of funny, I guess. They have very similar personalities. I'm not sure where they're going to go with it, um, but they both are kind of that underhanded kind of sneaky douchey kind of feel to them in their characters so they can play off one of each other and it works and, it, and it's clear that aew is recognizing that mjf is one of the is the top guy in their company in my opinion he's he's the most important commodity of aew is mjf and he's the future of that company as as you all know uh, how i feel about that so i'm curious to see where they go with that but it should be interesting and i'm curious to see how that plays out and those are the thoughts of Derrico for this week. My final thought for the week is vote. Whether you're a Republican, vote. Whether you're a Democrat, vote. Whether you're an independent, vote. If you don't like where the direction of our country is going, you have su- you have a change about it. Vote no matter what side of the political spectrum that you are on. Vote, vote, vote. This has been the thoughts of Derrico. You're smarter now, man.